time to rest, time to refresh, no stress To the city point Giving him your best, nothing like the rest Passing every test, you know he's the one, yeah Taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress To the city point Giving him your best, nothing like the rest Passing every test, you know he's the one, yeah Taking time to rest, time to refresh, no stress Tune the city point Giving him your best, nothing like the rest Passing every test no, he's the one, yeah. We're going to be continuing our series uh, entitled Faith Driven Finances. And today's sermon is titled For the Love of Money, For the Love of Money. But let's bow into a word of prayer and then we'll jump right into the word. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for giving us this chance to hear your word today. And I thank you for giving me the chance to preach it. I pray that you will preach through me with power, with courage, with conviction uh, in a way that is transformational to these, your people. I pray that lives will be changed, that people will be challenged as a result of the words that I preach. Let them be far reaching. Let them reach those that are streaming right now, those that will view later, those that will listen later, those that will be influenced by people that were influenced. I pray, God, that you and you alone will take all of the credit, all of the glory, all of the honor. It's in Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's jump into this thing. Uh, Carl and I bought a house to flip on the south side of Chicago in early 2020. It, it was different from any property that we had purchased before. Unlike the vacant properties that have been in various conditions that we had purchased in the past, this one was full of the prior owner's stuff. Uh, there was food in the cabinets, that there was furniture in the rooms, uh, there were clothes in the closet, and there were years worth of items in the basement. So we rented a dumpster and we hired a crew and we had that crew clean out the house. And, and while I was there, I, I began paying attention to some of the things that had been left in the house. Uh, through the hours of helping the crew clean out the house, I began to piece together all these clues about the former owner. You, you see, we bought the house from the daughters of a deceased woman and the daughters who were about me and Carla's age um, took it pretty hard. And I think they took it about as hard as we would uh, take it if we had lost our moms. And they perhaps were not emotionally ready to spend a day or days going through all of their mom's things, reliving the memories and the trauma of loss. And so they took the important things that they needed to take from the house. And then after that, they closed the doors and put the house up for sale. And so here we are dumping a lifetime full of items out of a home where memories were made, where childhoods were spent, where dinner parties were thrown and where family movie nights were enjoyed. As the crew and I kept marching out of that house with another bag, another box, another trash can full of stuff, I, I kept replaying in my mind the scripture that I just could not shake. The scripture that was in my mind that I could not seem to get away from was Luke chapter 12, verse 20. This night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall these things be? 
It, it struck me that our lives are filled with the accumulation of possessions, of the accumulation of things, and we work hard for these things that we acquire and we grind and we hustle to get them. But, but the truth of the matter is one day in a moment, all of those things that we have invested so much of ourselves into acquiring and expended so much energy into holding on to and even rented storage units in order to contain, all of those things will no longer belong to us and will serve no purpose in eternity. Whose shall these things be? I, I want to push us this week in a way that I haven't pushed us perhaps ever. And let me say to you that this sermon stretched me in a way that I hope stretches you today. I want to push us to reevaluate our relationship with money as Christians. And this, this is particularly hard because money plays an outsized role in this capitalistic society that we live in. Uh, the consequences of being broke in our society are literally deadly. But let me say to you that as we swim in this ocean of capitalism, I want to raise the question, what ought to be our stroke as Christians? How should we live in these waters? How should we navigate these waters? How should we traverse these waters? How can we play the game, but according to our principles? I want to say to you that our relationship with money in reflection is a very interesting one. Because when I thought about it this week, I thought about the fact that money is simultaneously the tool by which we have been exploited and the tool which we covet most to be able to overcome our exploitation. Yet one could argue that money was the motivating and animating force behind the creation of race and racism and racial division and the force behind enslavement. Yet even though money has made us victims, we tend to seek it with reckless abandon in essence in an attempt to make ourselves the victors. Yeah, in the imagination of some, the phrase we shall overcome conjures not thoughts of political and social equality and liberation from oppression, but, but of the financial come up that will empower us to buy our way out of oppression. It, money will buy our kids a safer neighborhood with properly funded schools. It, it will buy us education to get us closer proximity to, to the privileged life. It, it will buy us a home with access to land-free water and distance from pollution. Yeah, we have an interesting relationship with money. It, it is the tool that has provided the motivation to hold us down for centuries but also the tool that we are chasing after to help us come up. But how can we build wealth with money without worshiping money? That is the question that I want to raise and the nuance that I want to parse today. How can we be serious about making money, but not slip into making money our God? How can we be wise and shrewd in leveraging opportunities before us to make money without loving money? Those are the questions on the table today. And to help answer those questions, I want to take a look at Matthew 6 and 19. Matthew 6 and 19 says, 
Stop collecting treasures for your own benefit on earth where moth and rust eat them and where thieves break in and steal them. Instead, collect treasures for yourselves in heaven where moth and rust don't eat them and where thieves don't break in and steal them. Where your treasure treasure is, there your heart will be also. Verse 24 says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be loyal to the one and have contempt for the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Matthew places this as part of what has been referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Jesus is preaching to the multitudes and Jesus is here explaining what it looks like to live as a citizen of the kingdom of God. Make no mistake about it. He is writing to a Jewish audience and this Jewish audience is under the oppression and occupation and rule of the Roman Empire. Uh, they are under the rule and under the occupation of the Roman Empire where Caesar is emperor and Caesar is Lord and Caesar is God and where idols such as Mammon and Plutus, the gods of money and wealth, are worshipped. What Jesus is effectively saying to those people that are listening is that there is a countercultural way that you ought to live. He says to them, in essence, even though you are under the rule of the Roman Empire, if you are a follower of mine, know that you are allied to another kingdom. Uh, this kingdom is stronger than the Roman Empire. It has a ruler that will never be replaced like the Roman emperors and has a reign that will never, ever come to an end. And as citizens and subjects of this kingdom, you should know that there is a different way that we are to move. When it comes to this matter of money and material possessions and wealth, while these may be the currency of the Roman Empire, they are not the currency of the kingdom. No, they are. There are alternate coins that we spend in the kingdom, such as righteousness and good deeds and faith and generosity and love and kindness. These are the currencies of the kingdom of God. Uh, therefore, since you are citizens of another kingdom, I, I want you to be sure to place this money and wealth thing into proper perspective. He says once again in verse 19, stop collecting treasures for your own benefit on earth where moth and rust eat them and where thieves break in and steal them. Instead, collect treasures for yourselves in heaven where moth don't rust and where moth and rust don't eat them and where thieves don't break in and steal them where your treasure is there. Your heart will be. Also, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be loyal to the one and have contempt for the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Uh, effectively, he says, live like your bank vault is in heaven rather than at J.P. Morgan Chase. He says, effectively, remember that money is not your master. No, God is. For the sake of this sermon, I, I want to explore 
at how to flesh out these two commands that Jesus gives us here in the Sermon on the Mount. I want us to flesh out how to live like our bank vault is in heaven and how to live like money is not our master, but God is. First of all, let us consider uh, how it might look if we were to live like our bank vault is in heaven. Let me say to you that this requires an inversion of priorities. Yes, an inversion of priorities. Uh, the reason that it requires an inversion of priorities is because some of us have our lives set up to be rich as heck on earth, but broke as heck in, he in heaven. Let, let me see if I can put it another way. I, I, I personally know how many uh, millions I need in order to retire comfortably. Yeah, I, I understand how, how much I need to save and how much I need to invest every year uh, in order to be able to retire at a certain age. Some of you um, um, have your goals, whether it is for retirement or maybe you want to hit a certain wealth number by a certain age. And some of you have set up these kinds of priorities and set these things in motion. That is effectively earth money. And most of our values are aligned to earth money. The stuff that people can rob us and take from us. Earth money. The, the stuff that hackers can scam us out of, earth money. The, the stuff that we can invest and, and it all be wiped away because of the whims of the market, earth money. But then in contrast, there's this thing called, that I call kingdom, kingdom currency. I, 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 like many of you, have no goals when it comes to kingdom currency. But by kingdom currency, I mean the things that matter in the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. Things like living a righteous life. Things like helping other people. Things like being generous to people in need. Things like disrupting systems of oppression and exploitation. Things like growing in faith. Things like caring for elders. Things like encouraging our youth. This, this is kingdom currency. Many of us have no goals when it comes to that. And I am struck because I, I just realized that while I've got plenty <clears throat> of money goals, I have no set goals for what matters to the kingdom. Let me pause and ask the question. Do you? What would it look like if we had approached 2022 setting goals for what we would achieve Related not to earth money, but to the kingdom. What would it look like if we were hustling and grinding day after day since the year started? Not simply for earth money, but for kingdom currency. Let me say to you that I am afraid that the talented 10th will spend all of its time and energy and resources playing the capitalist game, chasing earth money to the detriment of us being able to share our knowledge or use our knowledge and our networks and our resources to help liberate the whole rest of our community. In short, what I'm saying is that the middle and upper class black folk go get more money, but the lower class black folk go get more problems. What I'm saying in essence is that the middle and upper class Latinx folks are going to get more money playing along with this capitalistic system 
But the lower class Latinx folks are going to get more problems. What I'm saying is that the middle and upper class white folks are going to get more money playing the capitalistic game, hustling for earth money day after day. But the lower class white folks are going to get more problems. And we will miss the opportunity to work in solidarity with them against their struggles because all of us are too busy chasing earth money rather than kingdom Currency. When Jesus says to them in the Sermon on the Mount, stop collecting treasures for your own benefit on earth, where it can decay, where it can be destroyed, where it can be taken. Instead, I want you to collect treasures for yourselves in heaven. In essence, Jesus says to them, make sure your heaven 401k is tight. If we start living like our bank vault is in heaven, Rather than at J.P. Morgan Chase, our day-to-day -day lives will be motivated by our conspiracy to disrupt any system that holds people down. Let me say that we would be scheming of ways to kick something off for the kingdom every single day of our lives. We would effectively be kingdom hustlers always looking to make a come up for the kingdom to fatten our account full of kingdom currency. Yeah, if we started living like our bank vault is in heaven, we would set goals for how much money we could give away rather than just goals for how much money we could stack. Now, now let me balance and let me nuance this sermon a little bit by saying that indeed the culture that Matthew is writing to and that Jesus is speaking to is in many ways different from our culture. We we no longer have a subsistence subsistence type of culture where one lives off of one what one can cultivate from the ground. No, for, for most of America, if you want to eat, you need money so that you can go to the market or to the store or to the restaurant to get some food. And so our system is very different from the system that Jesus uh, 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 speaks to and that Matthew writes to 2,000 years ago. This system in which we live is capitalistic and, and therefore, while we have this system, to a certain degree, we generally have to participate in it to relative degrees. But let me say to you and let me challenge you this way, that while we have to play the game, we must also in the game be subversive in our approach. In short, what I'm saying is I'm going to get money. I hope to get a lot of it, but I'm not going to fall in love with it. That that is the difference when we are being subversive in the kingdom. Where we effectively says, I am going to be a good steward and I am going to seek to build wealth, but I am not going to worship wealth. Yeah, when I build it, I will thank God and say every good and perfect gift comes from above. But if I lose it, I will be all right. I will be I will not be jumping out of any windows. I will not be taking my life. I will be able to say the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord, because I do not worship the money. Let me say to you also that my pursuit of money has to be utilitarian. And secondary to my pursuit for kingdom currency. And my use of money subverts everything that capitalism is all about. 
Capitalism is about using our money or our capital to put it to work to make more capital. But for the Christian, our goal ought to be to not be money, making money for the sake of making more money, but money for the sake of doing the bidding of the kingdom. Let me ask you the question, what mess on behalf of the kingdom could we be kicking off with a different mindset? Still building wealth, still being good stewards, still doing what we have to do in order to make true decisions. But but what could it look like if we were subversive and we were conspiring as citizens of the kingdom of God rather than as players in this game of capitalism? What if we were taking our money and what mess on behalf of the kingdom of God could we kick off together? What can we kick off if me and nine other people conspire to put $1,000 each together? I think we can do something like disrupt homelessness in one family for a year by being disruptive, by disrupting the normal way that you ought to function in capitalism and saying, no, I build wealth so that I can bless others. That's kingdom currency. Lest I keep you too long. Let's explore how to live like money is not our master. God is. Let's look at verse 24 again. It says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be loyal to the one and have contempt for the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. In the text, uh, Matthew uses the word mammon. Mammon is the name that is used for the God of wealth. And money. What Jesus does here is Jesus draws a separation between two gods. Effectively, what Jesus does is he says to those who were listening, you got to choose. You, you will have to choose one versus the other. Uh, effectively, to choose one is indeed to reject the other. Either you will worship and serve God as your master and not worship and serve the God of wealth and money and material, or you will worship the God and serve the God of wealth and money and material and not worship or save, serve Jehovah God. In, in effect, he says, you can't serve two masters. My kin folks, you can have two jobs. You can even, in some cultures, have two spouses. You, you can have two cars. You can even have two homes. But you cannot serve two masters. So the question that I raised to you this morning is who's going to be your master? Is it God or is it money? Who is going to be your master? Is it God? or material prosperity and wealth. In this American empire that we live in, money is God. Christianity is just the religious arm of the country that is built on cold, hard cash. Yeah, money can buy you the presidency in this country. Money can buy you a Supreme Court seat. Money can buy your way out of prison. Money can buy you a human being to exploit. Money made Cotton King in the South and our black bodies expendable. 
Yeah, yeah, money hedges in suburban communities through zoning discrimination and police harassment and housing discrimination and locks people into ghettos. Money traffics young girls and women and cash crops their sexuality to anybody that is willing to pay. Yeah, this country is built off of cold hard cash. Money will make a person sell crack to their mother, take your car at gunpoint with your baby in the back seat. In this American empire, money is God. Let me raise the question to you today. Who's your God? Who is it that is your God? I have identified who is God in America, but my question this morning is who is your God? Can I tell you as I close who mine is? My mine is the one who Dr. Gardner C. Taylor said on some pre-creation morning, said, let there be, and everything that was not started straining to become. But my God is the one who flung the stars that money cannot buy in the sky, and that God numbers them all. My God is the one who made humankind and that breathed into us the breath of life. My God is the one that parted the waters of the Red Sea so that Israel could walk across on dry land. My God is the one that locked the jaws of the lion when Daniel was in the lion's den. My God is the one that took the power out of the fire when the three Hebrew boys were cast into the furnace. My, my God is the one who became flesh and dwelt among us, who came in the embodiment of Jesus Christ. My, my God is the one who took the sting of the cross, the humiliation of the crucifixion through Jesus Christ, was buried, but unlike buried treasure, the ground was not powerful enough to hold him, but he got up on the third day with all power in his hands. My God is the one who made me, who sustains me, who saved me. And, and one of these days when I can no longer swipe a debit card or make a bank transaction or buy or own another piece of property. When all of my bank accounts read the estate of Demetrius Davis, my God will ransom me to a new home to spend eternity with God. That's my God this morning. Let me say to you, raise the question to you today, who is it that's going to be your God? Is your God going to be wealth? Is your God going to be money? Is your God going to be material possessions? Or is your God going to be the one that saved you? Is your God going to be the one that created you? Is your God going to be the one that flings your eyes open in the morning and you find invisibly at your bedside is God's two Watchdogs, goodness and mercy that have protected you and covered you all night long. Is that going to be your God? Let me say to you, finally, if God is your master, let us get busy with God's work. Let's get busy building, build, building kingdom currency. Oh.